Hey party people, it is Kayla again with the Confused Nursing Student Podcast. Today I'm going to go over the second portion of my notes for pediatric electrolyte imbalance. So in my first episode, I went over electrolyte imbalance, uh, some of the background like the ECF, ICF stuff, dehydration, shock, edema, the signs and symptoms, nursing management, all that fun stuff. Now I'm going to go over the GI diseases that will affect these um, this imbalance. And then in my last episode, I will go over renal diseases like AGN and um, nephrotic syndrome that can cause or be caused by electrolyte imbalance and things like that. So uh, as my typical disclaimer, these are just my notes. I will not take my, I will not record based on my lectures. I'm extremely disorganized and my goal here is to help myself learn and to help other people learn if they need it because I'm always looking up stuff so maybe this will be helpful for you. Okay, so let's get started because I am on a time crunch. I need to give my daughter a bath. So um, GI disease notes. The most common sequence of having GI disease is malabsorption, fluid and electrolyte disturbance, malnutrition, and poor growth. Nursing. We measure I's and O's, height and weight, abdominal exam, and stool and urine tests. Clinical manifestations of GI disease. Failure to thrive, spinning up, regurgitation, vomiting, projectile vomiting, Nausea, constipation, and encopresis, yeah, uh, diarrhea, hypoactive and hyperactive or absent bowel sounds, abdominal distension, abdominal pain, GI bleed, hemat- hematemesis, so blood and vomit, hematochesia, I think that, ooh, is that blood in stool? I'll have to relook it up, and melena, which is a dark, tarry stool. There's also jaundice, dysphagia, fever, and dysfunctional swallow. Diagnostic procedures we do in GI um, disease stuff. So stool exam, ova and parasite, bacterial culture, stool assay, uh, giardia, sorry my pen ran out there, and quantitative fat, pH, occult stool, and pancreatic function tests. There's also the helicobacter pylori test or H. pylori test. Um, And then that checks for, I believe, urease in serology or breath. There's contrast studies, films, ultrasound, CT, MRI, manometry, which would be of the esophagus or it could be rectal. Also, there could be a liver, liver biopsy esophagus, stomach, intestine, de-xylose absorption test as well, and we can do hepatobiliary skintographs. So let's talk about diarrhea, and just to like reiterate whatever I just talked about, we talked quickly about GI, and then we talked a little bit about the diagnostic procedures in case I just started listing everything off. So now let's talk about diarrhea. So it's caused by abnormal intestinal water and electrolyte transport, worse morbidity in children under 5 years old, and low-income countries. Fluids and electrolytes are lost in younger children and infants. So I think more fluids and electrolytes are lost in younger children and infants. 
types of diarrhea. There's acute diarrhea, which is a sudden increase in frequency and change in consistency of stools, usually by an infectious MO or microorganism. Usually it's self-limiting and it can end within 14 days, which is no fun. The causes, bacteria. So there's salmonella, 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 shigella, campylobacter, E. coli, Yersinia, Aeromonas, C. diff, and S. aureus, or Staphylococcus aureus. Some viruses would be rotavirus, Norwalk virus, adenovirus, pestivirus, astrovirus, calcivirus, parovirus. There's lots of viruses that can cause this. Parasites, Giardia lamblia, there's Cryptosporidium, Isospora, there's or Isospora belly, uh, Microsporidia, Strogliatus, and entemo, entem, amoeba, Entamoeba, and Histolytica. I'm sure you don't need to know all of these, but there you go. Now you know some stuff. Other associated conditions would be otitis media, UTI, URI, dietary. Um, overfeeding, having new foods, adding milk soon after a diarrhea episode, excessive inge ingestion of sorbitol or fructose can cause this, and um, some medications we would use would be antibiotics and laxatives, ingesting heavy, oh no, 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 antibiotics and laxatives can cause diarrhea, and ingesting heavy metals, and organic phosphates. Okay, so those are all causes of acute diarrhea. Then there's chronic diarrhea. So chronic diarrhea is increased in stool frequency and increased water content greater than 14 days. It's usually caused by conditions like uh, irritable bowel disease, food allergy, lactose intolerance, inadequate management of acute diarrhea intractable diarrhea um, that happens in infants in the first few months of life. It's greater than two weeks of um, having diarrhea with no recognized pathogen. Then there is also chronic nonspecific diarrhea, which is an irritable colon of childhood and toddler diarrhea. Six to 54 months of age is when this would happen. Possible poor dietary habits and food sensitivity, maybe increased sorbitol that can, oh, sorbitol, and that is an artificial sweetener. And then there's other predispositions like age, impaired health, environment, like being in a crowded facility or poor facilities and things like that. So etiology for diarrhea. So it's spread through the fecal oral route or route. Contaminated food and water. Most common causes are infectious agents, viruses, bacteria, and parasites. And if you want to re-listen to that, it's a, like about a minute or two before the, me talking now. Okay. Um, malabsorptive causes. So there's celiac disease, short bowel syndrome, lactose intolerance, congenital enzyme deficiency. Allergic. So... Allergic response, I believe, is eosinophilic gastroenteritis or allergic gastroenteropathy. And then for immuno in, immunodeficiency, 
There would be acquired hypoglobinuremia, hypoglobinuremia, or Wiscott Aldrich, Aldrich, oh my gosh, Wiscott Aldrich syndrome, or thymic hypoplasia and HIV. IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, would be ulcerative colitis, Crohn disease, endocrine stuff would be hyperthyroidism, congenital adrenal hyperplasia, and Addison disease can also um, cause or be, you know, an etiological factor in that, not diabetes, diarrhea. Motility disorders would be Hirschsprung disease, intestinal pseudo-obstruction, parasitic causes would be Ascarius or Giardia, and rotavirus is the most common cause of gastroenteritis with 28% of cases causing a fatality. So fecal, oral, or person-to-person -person is how rotavirus is, is spread. For Salmonella, Campylobacter, Shigella, they're also very common. They're gram-negative bacteria, and you get them through raw or undercooked food or contaminated water. It's also spread through the fecal-oral route. Antibiotics are usually given for diarrhea. Again, that kind of depends on the cause, like if it is bacterial compared to viral, I guess. And patho. So let's go into the pathophysiology. So invasion of the GI system by microorganisms. These can secrete enterotoxins, which increase intestinal secretion. Enteric pathogens will attach to mucosal cells or penetrate the mucosa. Most serious complication is dehydration, acid-base balance, and shock. We talked about that in the first part of the episode. So we take history. Um, did they travel? What foods did they eat? Are they having contact with animals or birds? What other symptoms are they having? Labs are done for severely dehydrated kids. And if it's uncomplicated, then it's generally fine. The stool tests are used if blood, mucus, or polymorphonuclear leukocytes in stool blood or in wait in stool or blood in stool may indicate shigella hemorrhagic e coli or campylobacter so there's only certain situations where they would actually order a stool test and therapeutic management so oral rehydration therapy or uh, ORT or ORS for oral rehydration solution the pedialytes so you would use pedialyte or a self-made ORS or ORS. How to rehydrate. We would give 75 to 90 milliequivalents equivalents per liter of sodium in solution. Daily volumes not to exceed 150 milliliters per kilogram a day. After rehydration of oral rehydration solution or ORS, they, uh, they might be used as maintenance fluid therapy. And we would give it at frequent intervals. We increase fluids with electrolytes, not just clear fluids. Because that's not going to change the electrolyte imbalance the patient might have. IV is suggested if it's not available or not able to take in fluids orally. And we might make sure to correct liquid and electrolytes 
uh, we need to make sure that the correct liquid and electrolytes are infused. We need to ensure intake and output, promote good skin care and, uh, when a child has diarrhea. We also need to teach prevention. We can also talk about bacterial growth in food, wash hands with no cross-contamination. So, I did it. That was all my notes for the electrolyte stuff, which is basically diarrhea and vomiting, uh, I think. And um, I hope that was useful for you. I will do a separate little episode on um, renal stuff, so the acute glomerulonephritis and nephrotic syndrome, which also plays a role in electrolyte imbalance in children. So I hope this was useful for you. Thank you for taking your time to listen to me ramble and bamble around. Um, And I hope that you have a wonderful night. So thank you.